This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. Thanks for accommodating us. We've had some real, real issues uh, with transmission this morning, and I greatly appreciate you speaking to us at this later time. Shavua Tov, how are you? Bokertov, Shavua Tov. Yeah, well, it's been worth waiting um, to talk to you guys this morning, there's of course a lot, a mm. lot that's been happening over the weekend, including uh, Moody's credit rating agency downgrade of Israel's economy, and of course lots and lots of discussion around Super Bowl adverts, because of course the Super Absolutely. Bowl a- a- ended earlier today um, with uh, a great victory in overtime um, for Kansas City. But of course, um, one of the people who really come out is Robert Kraft, who's the owner of the New New England Patriots and the advert that he sponsored, um, which um, was very, very interesting. Two interesting adverts uh, were aired during um, the Super Bowl. One sponsored, I understand, created by the Israeli government, uh, talking about the return of the hostages, a very, very nice emotional advert. And of course, a very emotional advert um, fighting against anti-Semitism um, particularly in America, and, and a very interesting ad. Uh, people who haven't seen those ads um, are recommended to absolutely do so. Um, I'm told that each slot costs something like $7 million mm. uh, around mm. the Super Bowl, so we can all understand how important it is and, and how much airing it gets. Um, and I do recommend that people have a view of those if they have the opportunity to do so. Absolutely right. So big, big news this morning uh, that uh, that yes, earlier so, today. Um, so, some, some. First of all, let's start with the really bad news, which was the loss of two of our soldiers in battles in southern Gaza um, yesterday. Sergeant Major Adi Eldor and Sergeant Major Alon Kleinman, both 21 years old only, both of them from Tel Aviv, fell in battle. Um, we don't know exactly what happened um, in that particular battle, but we do understand that both of them were from the Maglan unit of the Commando Brigade, um, which used to be once upon a time associated with the paratroopers. Um, so they fell in battle. Um, and of course, our condolences to their families and um, our recognition of their heroic acts and um, giving up their lives um, in, in the defense of our country and of our people. And we can't underestimate the, the sacrifice that they and their families have made um, in the process. But of course, the good news and the fantastic news is the uh, fact that two of our hostages were released in a very, very daring operation overnight in Rafah. And it's interesting that this took place in Rafah because Rafah has become very much um, a place of discussion and of world opinion. Um, and there's a lot of discussion um, on the international stage in the international press about Rafah. But we are very delighted to talk about 
Fernanda Herman, who is 61 years old, and Louis Haar, who is 70 years old, both of them from kibbutz near Yitzchak, and both of whom were being held in Rafah when um, an IDF uh, commando attacked the apartment that they were being held in, which we are told uh, is located on the second floor of a building in the Rafah area. And we are also told that the apartment in which they were being held was surrounded by a number of other apartments, all of which had terrorists, armed terrorists in those apartments, um, effectively guarding those two hostages who were being kept there. And we told that this um, uh, operation began with heavy um, airstrikes in the Shabura district in central Rafah um, late overnight. And that within an hour, the IDF forces had managed to enter the building, enter the apartment, secure the release of the two hostages, then using their own bodies to protect the hostages because they came under significant fire from terrorists around the area. They somehow managed to get the two hostages safely out of Rafah and out of Gaza. Ultimately, both have now arrived at the Sheba Medical Center in Israel. And we are told that their state of health is good, um, which is surprising because we'd understood that most of the hostages were in a very, very poor state of health. But in the case of these two guys, um, two tough guys, clearly, mm, um, we're told that their state of health is good. Um, they are stable. They are staying in some designated compound. I would imagine also because they've been kept above ground, I would imagine that has also made a difference. I think that that really makes all the difference. And although I'm not quite familiar with their personal medical histories and things like that, it would seem to me that both of them were in reasonable health to begin with, that they weren't necessarily reliant upon medication, which they obviously haven't had for the past 125 days um, or more. Um, so... Um, the, um, the, the, the good news is that they both seem to be well, that they've been reunited with members of their families, um, some of whom were themselves released from Gaza in the earlier hostage exchange. Um, and so there's been some good news um, coming out from them. And of course, we're delighted that the two of them were able to be released ultimately. And it also brings a lot of attention to Rafah because Rafah no. is now the focus of all the attention. And the Prime Minister has said unequivocally that the IDF will need to conduct an operation in Rafah in order to complete the job that has been started to eradicate Hamas. World opinion is coming down on Israel very, very dramatically saying, you will not uh, conduct an operation in Rafah even the German government that has been very, very supportive of Israel up until this moment has come out saying under no circumstances. And I think that there might be two possible reasons why the force, the, the opinion of the international community has been so strong about Rafah. I think the first thing is, of course, the number of civilians who happen to be there. Let's not forget that most of the population of the Gaza Strip has been moved to the southern area. Many of them are in Rafah as refugees living in tents and living in temporary accommodation in the Rafah area. And so I think there is a genuine concern about the uh, impact that any idea of operation may have on those refugees who have already been displaced at least once from their homes and who now potentially 
can um, get involved in this battle because we do know that Hamas will use them as human shields. We already have no doubt about mm, that, mm. right? So they will definitely be used as human shields in the event that um, the IDF chooses to start an operation in Rafah. Um, and the Israeli government has already said, we have highlighted, we have identified areas where civilians can be moved in order to be safe, to get away from where the operation will be centered in Rafah. So that job has already been done and the US government initially said, we don't dare um, conduct an operation in Rafah. And I've seen the latest now, President Joe Biden saying, don't conduct a, a operation in Rafah unless you have a plan for the civilians. And there is a plan for the civilians. The question is, will Hamas allow those civilians to be moved away from what is clearly a military stronghold in the southern end of the Gaza Strip? And there is no doubt that Hamas will do everything in their power to prevent the removal, to prevent the migration of the innocent civilians who are currently stationed in Rafah to safer areas to allow the IDF to carry out what will be a very, very intense and very important battle in Rafah in order to get rid of the last few brigades of Hamas who still happen to um, be around and be armed and to be um, operational, and also to get rid of the infrastructure, which is clearly very, very powerful in the Rafah area. We suspect that uh, the Hamas leader, Yikia Sinwar, may well be in the Rafah area. That also may be an area of, of sensitivity. And we suspect that many of our hostages are being held in the Rafah area. So Hamas has every reason to make sure that none of those civilians move to the areas that have been designated by Israel to be safe areas away from where the operation is uh, due to take place. And we know now that Israel is operating on very, very strong intelligence information after one of the main intelligence bases of Hamas was captured by the IDF and a lot of good information was taken away, including, we are told, handwritten notes that were made by Hia Sinwar not so long ago. Some, uh, there is some controversy around whether the notes are actually handwritten or not handwritten, but there certainly seems to be smoking gun evidence of Yehia Sinwar having been in that area quite recently. And so the IDF is quite determined to, to finish this job. The problem is that if we don't, uh, if we're not allowed to continue and finish the job in Rafah, the problem is that that will effectively leave the head of the snake still alive and kicking and able then to continue forward with whatever was being done before October the 7th, which is attacking Israel, missiles, all the rest of it that we already know about now, and of course, planning future attacks potentially. So this operation in Rafah is really, really important. And to be honest, the only people who could really come out and say, we are going to be opposed to any operation in Rafah are people who want Hamas somehow to survive all of this, even if it might only be a small limited number of Hamas operatives, terrorists who are still located in Rafah, including the leadership. But they are people who effectively are asking for Hamas to survive this war. And the Israeli government and the IDF are determined to ensure that that doesn't happen. So we do certainly have a major controversial issue on the table about how the IDF conducts this operation in Rafah. They are determined to do it. And uh, they, the chief of general staff has come out saying now is not the time to stop the war. But we do have a very, very big issue with the number of civilians in that area and the potential 
for major civilian casualties, which we don't want. And um, Hamas is really trying to engineer to create something of a bad name in the international community for Israel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because you do wonder if this wasn't the reason. You know, we've seen this powerful, powerful social media and political tool that if they didn't want Israel near a hospital, there was this hysteria around the hospital. And then underneath the hospital, we find a nerve center for Hamas. We see the screaming and, 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 and hysteria about Rafa. And then what we seem to be seeing is, uh, well, we've already seen, we've already had two, two hostages uh, 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 saved so and rescued there. So there's definitely a pattern here. Can we just talk about what was found uh, at under the UNRWA head? Well, under the UNRWA headquarters, of course, was a major tunnel that um, was discovered recently and um, was highlighted. And of course, the UNRWA head came out immediately saying, oh, but we knew nothing about this, which is virtually impossible uh, not to know what was going on underneath UNRWA headquarters, especially when you see that there is actually an entrance to the tunnel from within the UNRWA headquarters. And it goes even further than that. Would you believe that the electricity supply that was given to the tunnels below was actually being taken from the UNRWA headquarters above ground? They were supplying their electricity to the tunnels underneath. Now, I don't know how more ridiculous it could become for the UNRWA head to stand up and say, well, in spite of the fact that there was actually a tunnel opening within their UNRWA compound, and despite the fact that the electricity supply was somehow um, being taken from UNRWA, we, we, we didn't notice the, the, the wiring coming up from under the tunnels, and we didn't notice our electricity bill going up because of the electricity usage by people in the tunnel below. We, we had no idea of these tunnels. I mean, this is just another smoking gun evidence of the fact that UNRWA were not only well aware of what was going on around in terms of the Hamas tunnels that were being constructed and the terrorist activity that was being planned. But as we've said before, UNRWA people were actively involved. And we're not only talking about the 12 individuals who UNRWA claimed were identified and were immediately dealt with and fired and whatever. This goes much, much broader and much, much deeper than, than could be imagined. And if the end of UNRWA comes as a result of this war, then it won't be a moment too soon because it's well-deserved because UNRWA are part and parcel. They are actively involved. The money that's coming from the international community to supposedly fund refugee activities has clearly been channeled to terror activities against Israel. Has there been any reaction from UNRWA? The, the, the reaction has been quite minimal. I mean, the, the main reaction that we've seen with, with, opposed, uh, with uh, respect to UNRWA is, of course, all of those countries who effectively said, we are withdrawing our UNRWA funding. That seems to be the strongest statement that any country can make. Once they've already made the statement, 
that they are withdrawing their funding, there is not much more that they can really do, even if new information comes to light, other than to be further determined to make sure that no further funding goes to UNRWA, particularly under these circumstances. And as I've said uh, a few times before, the whole premise of UNRWA from the outset is very, very questionable. To have an agency that is dedicated only to the plight of Palestinian refugees, as opposed to just one other UN agency, which is dedicated to the plight of refugees around the world. So we have two agencies, one for the Palestinian refugees and one for the rest of the world. And the rest of the world agency makes sure that those refugees are no longer refugees after having been housed in another country and been given citizenship or residency. They're no longer refugees. In, in the case of UNRWA, UNRWA's premise has been to try to perpetuate mm. the mm. plight of the refugees, to keep them as refugees after decades and decades, and to allow the refugee status to move from generation to generation. This is no longer a refugee situation. This is just a perpetuation of a certain political narrative. And clearly, the, the fact that UNRWA have been involved in perpetrating terrorist activities against Israel is simply part of the same narrative. Finally, the uh, pr- pr- President Herzog met last week with representatives from TikTok. What was discussed? Well, I find this quite a fascinating story. I don't know how many people are TikTokers um, amongst our listeners. I don't know how it, if you guys no, I'm in not. the studio um, use TikTok at all. Uh, I don't. I don't. Um, I've been very skeptical about TikTok from the get-go. So TikTok has had a quite a controversial history, but I'm guessing that a few of the listeners out there um, are TikTokers and, and know a little bit about what goes on t- with TikTok. But it's interesting that Israeli President Isaac Herzog met with senior global management from TikTok. Uh, two representatives were here from TikTok, one from Europe and one from the US, both of them responsible for uh, government relations and, and public policy. And the president spoke specifically about certain posts that were on TikTok. He actually had examples which he presented to the TikTok activities of anti-Semitic content that had remained on their platform in spite of the fact that there was, there has been some content that was removed, but these were examples of content that had remained on the platform. And in response to this, the TikTok representative said that they had removed apparently 160 million fake accounts from TikTok since October the 7th as a result of their work against anti-Semitism in terms of trying to deal with anti-Semitic contact. 160 million. I mean, it's a lot and it sounds like a lot, but just bear in mind that TikTok apparently has something like one and a half billion monthly users. It's not just any old um, platform that has no following. It has a massive following and they've removed 160 million accounts. However, Having said that, both of the representatives from TikTok were fairly surprised by the examples that the president had brought as examples of anti-Semitic content that had not been removed. And they had, uh, they were they expressed the fact that they were deeply dispersed, disturbed by these findings, and they pledged to continue to work with the president's office and Israeli officials to do everything to try to remove anti-Semitic content from their platform. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether they achieve that. And I think it would be great to hear from listeners whether they think that TikTok are making any real effort to remove anti-Semitic content from their platform. But certainly, President Isaac Herzog has decided that he should personally intervene 
on this matter, Amazing. which I think is extremely appropriate. I'd love to hear from you on 34519 or 061-8951019. Have you noticed any improvement at all with regard to TikTok? Anthony Rock, thank you as always, and thanks again for accommodating us, speaking to us at a little bit of a later time, just so that we can get your insights. It's just gone 8.30. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Israel.